Well, hi there, Ollie Anderson here. You're listening to Creative Status. If you don't know, this is a podcast about using your creativity to improve your life in the areas of health, wealth, and relationships, and generally just becoming a better, more authentic, more real version of yourself by allowing your creativity to take you where you need to be. This episode is an interview with John Grindle. He is a very energetic individual, the chief purveyor of fun at Grin Events. They are a team connecting company. They bring people together by allowing them to be spontaneous, to have fun, bringing beautiful distractions into their lives so that they can get out of their heads and all of the kind of results-driven corporate kind of things that people are expected to do in the modern workplace so that they can bring their real selves back into the equation and to allow people to have better relationships so that businesses can get better results, teams are better, everybody's happier. It's a a very interesting, powerful conversation, especially if you're interested in how the whole connection to yourself works via reality and being spontaneous, how the unreal version of us, uh, individually and collectively, is actually just a version that has been conditioned to hesitate and how if you can decondition yourself, well, actually you can come back to the present moment, you can be the best version of yourself, which means that you're sharing who you truly are with other people, you're getting to know them better, you're having a good time and uh, that's why this stuff is important. I don't want to say too much more because uh, we need to get onto the actual interview, but if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. If you have any um, suggestions for future guests, then let me know. If you have any comments, you can leave a voice memo somewhere on the anchor.fm slash creative status page. And other than that, I just hope you get some uh, insights or value or whatever else you're looking for from this interview. Thanks to John for coming on and uh, here you go. Oh, hi there, John. Thank you for joining me today on Creative Status. Um, I assume based on the pre-chats that we've had, that we're going to be talking about fun and playfulness and spontaneity. Before we get into all that, do you feel like introducing yourself to the world of creative status and letting people know who you are, what you're all about, what you're hoping to get from this conversation today and anything else that's kind of relevant? I'd love to. My name is John Grindle. I am the chief purveyor of fun at Grin Events. So yes, Ollie, hopefully we'll be talking about fun today. Um, We are a team building company. So we do corporate events and uh, it's all based around fun and games and getting people out of the office to interact with each other in a social environment while playing some games. And in fact, we're kind of changing the terminology that we use. Some people have a certain version of what they think team building is. We call what we do team connecting because Mm. I think that's really at the heart of what most companies, most employees want and need is the ability to just connect with each other on a, you know, a different level that's outside of their normal work routine. That's really interesting. So even from the very outset, you're kind of opening up how we might reframe this idea of just creativity and fun and all these kind of things in general. What do you think? is the main distinction, just to throw you in the deep end, the main distinction between this team building approach and a team connecting approach, like why is it important to kind of uh, make a distinction there and to change the way you do things? Some of it is semantics, right? So team building has been around for literally a hundred years. If you did any research on it, like back in the 1920s was kind of the first version of it. So team building to me, if you, you know, take it literally, it's building a team. Well, I think that is actually not what most people are trying to do. Most mm-hmm. of my clients have already built their team. Most of my clients, their teams already work pretty well together because if they didn't, they wouldn't have a successful company. So just the fact that we're using those two words gives us, you know, a certain path that we're going down. We're building up our team. So Again, semantics, if we flip the word to be team connecting, it gives us a different idea of what our goal is. We're not trying to build anything. We're not necessarily trying to work on the way that we work together. Um, Mm. We're trying to focus on 
how we connect, how we interact with each other on a more personal level. So to take it a little bit further, mm. you know, I think most of us at work have a certain persona that we have. We have a certain way that we interact with our coworkers. You know, this person is in charge of that task. And when I need help, I go to this other person. But if you take us out of that work environment and now, you know, we throw ourselves into a team connecting environment, but in, you know, in our niche, our focus is on playing games. When you take yourself out of that workspace and now you're just trying to connect on a personal level of, hey, this person's pretty funny or, you know, this person has two kids also or this person traveled to, to Europe or to the States or, you know, whatever it might be. Those are the connections that you don't necessarily get in your normal eight to five workday. Yeah. I think um, something we talked about previously is that in general, in corporate environments, they're very results driven. And a lot of those results focused practices kind of cause people to be detached from themselves. Building, the word building in the context you just used it, it seems very results driven as well. And actually, if you open it up and you want to make things more real, it's not just about the results, it's about the relationships. And so this idea of connection, obviously, is taking things to that level of relationships. But do you think that by introducing this kind of relational approach, it's actually allowing people to get better results as well? So that's exactly what I was going to say while, while you were talking through that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with a company being results driven. That's why we are, that's why we have companies. That's why we're in a capitalist society. I mean, yep. it is about the results. If your company isn't making money, if your company isn't profitable, your company doesn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. So we can't be unrealistic about that. I mean, you definitely have to have those results. You have to have goals because if you don't, you're, mm -hmm. you're going to fail as a company. But I think when you have that, you know, your goal set and your results driven and you add into it, the fact that you have a company culture, um, that you have people that actually legitimately, genuinely like to work with each other. Now you're all going towards that result. You're all going towards that goal and you're helping each other along the way to get there. So um, I don't have any like real concrete evidence of it. I'm sure there's tons of people out there that are way smarter than I am that have done research on know the power of you know your company culture and i know there's a lot of work on the power of play and how you become more creative and more productive but my gut just tells me that it's right my gut tells me that if you are around people that you enjoy being with and one of them needs help you're going to jump in and, and help out and that's going to be good for the company that's going to be good to you know generate the results that you're hoping as the CEO or, you know, one of the leaders of your, your department. Yeah. Like when you put it like that, it almost seems too simple. And it's kind of strange that um, the idea of introducing fun to the workplace is almost a sort of alien concept. Like, why do you think we've ended up in the situation where a lot of people have found themselves in corporate environments or just in wage cage jobs that they can't really stand that have nothing to do with their true values and the true version of who they are why has that become the norm do you think and why is fun such a, a, a terrible thing in the kind of uh, standard way that people look at workplaces those are great questions i don't know if i have great answers for it the why has it gotten to where it is i have no idea i i really can't i can't describe that i mean you can mm. make it a broader question why are adults in general less likely to play, right? And have yeah. when, okay. you know, and there, there's a ton of research out there if you if you were just look up, you know, power of play or those kind of things. But we are designed as kids to play, right? Mm -hmm. That is literally our job is to go out and play and have fun and build those social skills. And you know, you're as you're playing, you're you know, you're learning and you're you're building on your experiences and all that. And then there's some point that I don't know if it's in high school or college or afterwards that we tend to flip a switch that says, okay, now I'm in the adult world. Now it's not about fun and games and play. And now I have to get in line and do, you know, the thing that, you know, I'm supposed to do, whether it's in work or out of work. So to answer your question of why, mm. 
I don't know, but I, I think if we're really to, to answer it, it's like, well, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't change. There shouldn't be, uh, you know, the flip that switches just because we go from child to adult. Obviously, a lot of things happen. We have a lot more responsibilities. Now we don't have to worry about money. And, you know, there's a lot of stressors in our life that we mm. don't have when we're kids. So it makes sense that we kind of get in line and, and, we, and we do that. But you also brought up another thing. It sounds simple. Right. Hey, well, of course, it sounds it sounds simple. If we want to get results out of our company, we need to have a company culture that kind of gets it, that we're all paddling in the same direction towards that 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 finish line. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is simple. What's wrong with something being simple? Right. <laughs> Sometimes the the simple explanation is is the right one. Isn't there? I think there's a isn't there some theorem out there that's this, you know, the simple, uh, yeah, Occam's razor. I think. There you go. Okay, good. Thank you. Occam's razor that says, well, you know, the most, the simple explanation is probably the explanation. Well, I think that's true, but now I'll just share one more thing, but not every company, not every owner, CEO, president gets it right. Mm -hmm. Or, and, and it, and it might be true that it's, that it's not, you know, able to do for every single industry. Some industries are going to be more results driven than other. But for those companies, those CEOs, those managers that quote unquote get it, that understand mm -hmm. that the real value, the real thing about their company that makes the most uh, is the most important is the people. For those companies, those are perfect clients for me because I don't have to explain the why. They already understand the why. Now it's just, okay, well, I really mm -hmm. want to do this. I want to make sure we have a good company culture. I want to make sure we're having fun. Well, how do we do it? And then for me, you know, that's my sweet spot. I'm, I'm very good, you know, and my company, everybody that, that, that works uh, for me is very mm -hmm. good at that piece. We're good at the how. Yeah. So I suppose the question there is, what does this, this how involve? So I think you're right. Like, obviously, there's this thing going on in our culture where we think we cross the threshold into adulthood and then all of a sudden we've just become this kind of finalized version of ourselves and we don't need to be open and curious and spontaneous and do all these things that kids do because we're now grown-ups and so we you know we can remove ourselves from that way of living but actually it is simple in the way that we said because a lot of these things we're talking about are just human nature it's simple Correct. because it's it's the way that things are supposed to be so how do we re or how do you sorry reintroduce this kind of way of thinking and being uh, into these corporate environments that are maybe kind of almost anti-human if they're at the extreme end of the uh, results-driven spectrum. Right. Well, let let me reframe your question first. Is you know how do I specifically do it? I can answer that in a second. But let's just talk about how do we in general do that. And and mm. the we being you know if you're in a corporate environment, how do we you know make sure that our company culture is what we want and people actually enjoy you know, spending time with each other. And again, it doesn't have to be hard, right? And, and we'll go back a little bit to the team building term as well. Team building means a whole lot of different things to a lot of people. For any of your listeners out there that think of trust falls immediately when they hear the term uh, team building, I'm with you. And that's one of the reasons we've changed the, the term. <laughs> team building can be as simple as going out for a happy hour, going to the bar, going to the pub and having a few drinks after work, right? It could mm -hmm. be going to a, a ball game, a sporting match. It could be just doing anything that's outside of our normal work routine. It could be playing games, which is our, our thing. You know, some classic standard team building style activities of, you know, doing a scavenger hunt out in the, you know, downtown area of your, wherever you live. And if you ever go downtown and you see people wearing headbands and, you know, they're out and they have their phones out and they're taking weird pictures, you know. So there's all kinds of things that you can do there. So now back to your original question of how do we do it? Mm. So everything is focused around games for, for me personally and for the company. And that's really comes just stems from my bias. I'm the, you know, I, I come from a great family. You know, my sister and I and my parents, we played games, right? That's what we did. That's how we interacted. That's how we connected as a family, we would play card games and board games and, and just have fun. That was our way and still is to this day. Every time I go over to my parents, we got, you know, a deck of cards comes out. And now my son is also a crazy uh, game player. So mm -hmm. 
that's what we do. And we can talk a little bit about the benefits, at least what I think the benefits of play are and of games. But that is kind of how we do it. We have two primary activities. You know, we do, we focus on a few things. Some of the other companies will do a lot of different things, cooking challenges. And there's a whole corporate social responsibility uh, piece where, you know, you're building bikes and you're donating those things. We, we don't focus on those pieces because we're just not as good um, at mm -hmm. those as we are at the gameplay. So our two primary products, that sounds like a terrible term, our two, our two favorite things to do. One is a game show. So we have a game show. It's based on mostly games in the United States. So we have games that are similar to The Price is Right and we have Jeopardy and, and Wheel of Fortune. Mm -hmm. We don't call them those because I'm pretty sure we're not allowed to do that. But we have <laughs> games that are similar to those games. Um, and it's fun. It's something that people, most people know and understand. It, and I'll, Ollie, I don't know if you have those um, those games overseas or not, but I'm sure you have similar. Um, yeah, I, I've seen most of those, actually, I think. Okay, so great. I, I know that, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's it's something that people understand that they're comfortable with. And we can put people in an environment where now they're playing in the game show. Mm -hmm. We make sure that it's you know very much a team effort where you're collaborating with your teammates and and that kind of thing. So that's one thing that we do. That's one of the how, right? We we get to get people together and we play a game show and we do it for an hour and a half or however long it's gonna last, and we just have a ton of fun. And our primary goal every single time we go out into the world to do one of our events is to get people to smile and laugh, mm -hmm. have some fun. You know, we we don't take ourselves too seriously. In fact, we make fun of ourselves all the time. And we hope that kind of people jump in and, and do that themselves and just have a good time and literally turn off our, our work brain, you know, for an hour and a half and, and just have a good time. Um, and, you know, and then the, another activity that we do is an outdoor activity. I live in San Diego in California in the States, so we have uh, pretty nice weather here pretty much year round. So we get to do a lot of outdoor activities. We have a couple of things that we do. One of them is just what I would call backyard games. We actually call it our leisure games. It's bocce ball. I don't know if you're familiar with bocce ball, but it's- No, no. What, what's that one? Like, what do you have to do? Uh, how to explain it? So you have a small white ball that's about the size of a golf ball. And that's mm. kind of your target ball. So you throw that out. And then you have large colored balls those balls are about the size of a, well, it's a softball size. And for <laughs> listeners that don't know softball, it's, um, let's see how, how big it would be. It's like um, a big, a big baseball, isn't it? It's a very big baseball. There you go. Probably double the size of a baseball. Right. And the object of the game is to throw your colored ball as close as you can to the white ball, trying to get closer than all of your opponents. And then you get points, you know, for the teams that are the closest to it. So again, with your simplicity, like it's a very simple game. Mm. So but it's super fun. So things like that, you know, we have a few different games that we'll do and we kind of usually run them tournament style where you have, you know, break the group up into a bunch of teams. And then one thing that's super important for me and for us is that we have interaction with all of the participants. So you know, maybe we create eight teams. Well, we're going to have seven rounds of games so every team gets to play against each you know all the other teams to make sure that there's a lot of good interaction there we have one other event that i really like we call it sandcastle wars the basic concept is you build a sandcastle again a bunch of teams so three four five teams it doesn't doesn't really matter you build a sandcastle obviously we play games because that's what we do so you play games to win flags to fly on those castles and then the last round, the object of the game is to destroy your enemy's castles wow. by throwing balls to knock over the flags. And uh, winner take all. If you win, you get to stomp on your uh, enemy's castles to, <laughs> until they're completely destroyed. So, like, all this stuff is just fun and silly, right? But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, that is the whole point, of course. But it's, it's also, it's, it's much deeper, if you think about it, than just having a simple game and just having fun. Obviously that is what's happening, but as a byproduct of that, there's probably all other kinds of psychological and kind of system benefits that take place because of that, I, I would imagine, based on what you're saying. So even just ha having all of the company interacting with each other in this real spontaneous way, 
that's going to allow people to improve their relationships and all that kind of stuff with themselves and with other people. What what kind of um, maybe this is a bit a bit too deep potentially, but what what kind Let's of psych- deep, Holly. Let's go for it. <laughs> like what what kind of psychological changes do you think you're helping people go through with this uh, process? Yeah, so it's hard for me to put my thumb on, you know, a quantitative way to describe the benefits of this. You know, I, I can't say, and I never say this to, you know, my my clients that, hey, if you do this event, you're going to be 10% more productive, right? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. just, that, that makes no sense at all. Okay, to answer your question, what kind of psychological benefits? This is what I think is the most important benefit that you get is when you are playing a game it is the most beautiful distraction you can ever have because typically you are very focused on the game and playing the game. And depending on some people are super competitive, some people are a little bit more shy and they don't want to screw up. You know, there's all kinds of different versions of people and how they play games. Mm -hmm. But because you're so focused on this game, I think you forget about all of the other stuff that you have put up. You know, you could call it your walls or your facade. I'm sure there's a lot of better terms to describe this. But you kind of forget, even if it's for a moment, that you're at work, you know, mm-hmm. or with your work work people. You kind of forget maybe to be your work self. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm hoping, right? I hope that people forget about who they're supposed to be mm-hmm. and they just are themselves even if it's for a brief moment. And then I think the beautiful thing about that is Mm -hmm. when everybody else sees that true person, Mm -hmm. 99% of the time, they're going to like that person. And and here's a couple good, good examples, general examples, but the CEO, right? Um, I'm new to the company. I am a, you know, low tier. I've only been there for six months. Maybe I have some apprehension about the CEO or even my boss or, you know, whatever it is, depending on how that works. And the CEO is this mythical person that, you know, is unemotional and just wants the results. And then you have a game, you know, let's say we're playing the game show and there's a portion where there's a song that comes on and me as the host, like I'm, you know, trying to coerce you to start singing along to the song. And now your CEO ends up doing karaoke in front of the whole company. And now you're six months in and you're like, holy cow, Mr. or Mrs. CEO is hilarious. And, you know, is, you know, in front of the room making a complete full of themselves. Mm. This is awesome. Mm. Right. So, so the ability to see people for who they truly are, I think is super powerful. Yeah. Like what, what's interesting that t- to me there is that phrase that you use there, it's a beautiful distraction. Like I really love how you said that, but actually a theme that's come up a few times now on this podcast is reality is actually who those people are in those moments when they're playing the game. And so when they're in that spontaneous free flow, whatever you want to call it state and their true self is, it emerges or is revealed or whatever word we want to use, that is actually a lack of distraction. All the other stuff, the roles that people are playing, their workplace version of themselves, the masks that they put on, the walls they hide behind, all those kind of things, they're the actual distractions. And actually what you're doing is put, creating situations, creating containers where you're using these creative approaches to allow the truth almost to come back into the situation and then they can learn from that truth and hopefully use it to improve their relationships with each other and get the better results in the way that you're talking about. Okay. Um, So this is interesting because you've reframed the way that I think about it. mm. Correct me if I'm, if I'm not understanding your point here, but I was saying that the game is the distraction and you're saying that actually all the stuff that we put up around ourselves yes. to kind of block our true selves, that that's actually the distraction. Yeah, that, that's how I see it in general. I think in, in life, as a rule, we've created this kind of world that is a response to our fears about ourselves individually and collectively. 
So because we fear human nature and we fear reality and all of the uncertainty and all the chaos that comes with that, we create these little boxes for ourselves to live in, such as our workplace self or the roles that we might play and stick to rigidly in, in our personal lives or wherever. All of those things actually, because they're stopping us from flowing and moving and continuously growing more whole through through the thing through the uncertainty that life brings to the table, they just end up becoming like a huge distraction. And we think that's who we are, but then obviously because who we are is um, a constant work in progress, it's actually just holding us back from being, you know, the true version of ourselves. And so actually we need some kind of creative intervention, which is the kind of thing that you're bringing into these corporate environments. Um, although it doesn't just have to be a corporate thing, it can be just anywhere in life, but we need these kind of creative interventions to remind us of the truth, actually. And it's only if you have the truth that you can understand reality more effectively. And only if you understand reality, are you going to be able to get better results? And so active, actually, my whole philosophy on corporate culture and that kind of stuff is that we need to rejig it and make it more humanized so that actually we can bring more of, uh, you know, who people really are, their real values, their real intentions, all that kind of stuff to get the best possible results and to ensure that people are going to actually uh, enjoy their lives. They're not just working in the wage cage and kind of feeling like they're wasting their time because they're in hiding. So that that's my long-winded version of that. But I really like it. it. I like it in, it kind of made me think back to one of your previous questions of why have we done that, right? Mm -hmm. Like why have we created our corporate world the way it is? Why have we, put up those distractions to prevent our true selves from coming out and now okay let's so let's fast forward to or i guess rewind to the pandemic right because mm-hmm. the pandemic really showed us and put a spotlight on some of the things that we're talking about and i think that because of that let's call it two years of you know pandemic time that it has shifted the mentality of a lot of people, especially probably our, you know, younger people that are entering the workforce, that the priorities have changed dramatically, I think, for a lot of people to be much less about the job, to be less about the money, although we're always going to have to have, you know, some focus on the money. And it's more about what is my purpose in the world you know, I want to do work for a company that's doing, you know, good for the world, all those kind of things. So I think that there's been a pretty dramatic shift just in the last two years of kind of what we're doing and what a corporate environment is going to look like on many different levels. Yeah, 100%. The way that I like to think about this is basically what's happened is people have realized the value of their time. Ultimately, yeah. the, the bottom line when it comes to like life and the human experience is that we're all going to be dead one day. And if you just take that as a foundational fact, it's one thing that we all agree on. No matter what your religious perspective or philosophical perspective or political perspective or whatever else, we're going to die one day. And if we're going to die one day, then that just means that our time is the most valuable thing that we have. And if time is so valuable and a lot of jobs ask us to just go to these horrible, non-fun, uncreative environments and just kind of waste our lives staring at spreadsheets or doing these drudgerous, laborious tasks that just kind of suck our souls away. Then obviously, if people are starting to wake up to the value of their time, then things are going to shift. And because, you know, you know, we could go too deep into this, but because power structures seem to be changing and all that kind of stuff, people don't just want these kind of top-down hierarchies or ways of structuring businesses. There's this kind of bottom-up shift where the people at the bottom are getting more of a say in how workplace culture or just the culture in general should be structured and unfold. But it's all about, I think, people valuing their time to a greater degree and setting boundaries about how they're going to spend it. Something like that. I don't know if you know that's relevant. Yeah, I think, you're, I think you're onto something for sure in... You know, for as terrible as, as the pandemic was and is, it, it sure shined a light on some things that we just took for, for granted. So one very small piece of your, your time component 
is the commute, right? So yeah. everybody was commuting depending on where you where you lived and how bad the traffic was, right? Everybody had a 10, 15, 30, 60 minute commute to work one way, right? And we were unable to do that. We literally could not go into our offices. We had to do the virtual thing. There were some significant benefits to doing the virtual thing. I think there were some significant, um, you know, detractors or, you know, deficits, I don't know the right word to say, of, of being only virtual. But we realized as a world that, hey, I don't want to do that commute anymore. I don't want to waste an hour of my day every single day in a mm. car mm. by myself on the way to work. Why do I have to do that when I can do my work from home and I'm, and I'm just pr as productive? So your point about the time, okay, I just, got a, I just got back an hour a day of time that I can do whatever that I want. Another piece of it, you know, for, for me, I'm married. We have a, a six-year-old son. And I see, you know, what my wife is able to do by working at home. She can be a lot more attentive to Colin is his name. And, you know, so there's that family component now. Mm -hmm. that, hey, we're spending more time with our loved ones and a little bit less time with our, you know, the people that, that we work with. So mm -hmm. that time component, I think, is a huge piece of the puzzle. And it also leads into, I think there's many reasons for it, but it leads into, I think it was called the great resignation where people were, as you described it, you know, were working in their monotonous job and probably not very happy. And then they weren't able to work in that job anymore because the doors were shut. And then when the doors opened up again, people were saying, well, I don't want to go back to that. So I'm just not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people have um, realized that workplaces are too, they're outdated basically. Like they've, they've almost got this kind of industrial age mindset where, you know, you, you wake up every day and you take yourself to the factory and then you just, you know, you get whipped basically and do what you're told to do. And then you go home and, and that's it. Do you think what you're doing, just to bring it back to the fun thing, by introducing fun and bringing the real self back into the workplace, is that a way of kind of rehumanizing workplaces and actually starting uh, organizations on a journey of allowing people to get the most out of their time whilst in the workplace? If, if people kind of act on what they've learned uh, from these kind of containers you brought in and introduced. Yeah. So the short answer is yes. I think it, it definitely leads to that. It's not, it's not a, you know, a magic wand though. Right. I mean, going out and having some fun, you know, once a quarter is not gonna, is not gonna just make your job perfect. Right. But mm -hmm. what it is, is it's, is it's, uh, it describes your company culture in, in a one event type of, in, in a one event where, the big piece of the puzzle is that I go to work and I genuinely like the people around me and whether going to work means you're turning on your computer and you're doing the remote thing and you know, half of your staff is remote or maybe your staff is completely remote or you're going into work. Maybe you're going in, you know, two or three days a week to work. Maybe you're back to, you know, a full five day work week back in, in the office. If your company has the culture where the people that work for you genuinely enjoy working with each other, I think mm. that is a huge piece of the puzzle of mm. wanting to go to work. And that maybe I'm trivializing it a little bit, but if you enjoy being around people, you're going to tend to be around those people and want to. It's the same with your family, right? If you enjoy being around your family. I'll assume that you spend a lot of time with your family. And if you don't enjoy so much being around your family, you're going to spend, you know, time on your own or with friends or however you do it. So I don't know if I exactly answered your question, but I think it's important that you spend time with people that you want to spend time with. Yeah. How, how do we handle this mentality then that some people have that, you know, work is just work and they're going to go there and, 
you know, they, they expect office politics and drama and all these things that can happen in the workplace. And they're not going to try and solve these, these problems by looking at themselves maybe or trying to build bridges and, you know, team connection work in the way that you're talking about. They're just going to tell themselves, okay, I am getting basically getting paid to tolerate this horrible bunch of people. So I'm going to go there and then, you know, I'm not going to make an effort basically. Do you think we need to put anything in place or there's anything we can do to kind of deal with that kind of thing? Even just with team building in general. So I'm thinking of team building things I've been on when I was working in the corporate world. Some people are just so cynical from the very outset of, you know, like a company team building day or whatever you want to call it. They'll sit there at the back with their arms folded and all this kind of stuff. And they're just adamant that, you know, they, they don't want to connect, that they, they just want to hold back and, you know, put these walls up no matter what. What, what can we do with that kind of mentality? So uh, I'm gonna, you brought up one point, so I'm going to talk about two and then I'll answer your question. So my mom used to say, and still does, and she's, she's correct. There's kind of two ways that you can have a job. One can be, well, I do my job, it's a job, and it gives me the ability to do the stuff that I want outside of work, right? So that's going in, get your paycheck, do your eight hours, get in, get out, and then have a ton of fun outside of work and you know do traveling or whatever activities that you enjoy with your friends and your family. And I actually don't think there's anything wrong with that. That is mm-hmm. one version of how to do it. And there's plenty of people out there that are perfectly happy, happy doing that. The other version, and I think we're getting closer to this with a lot of companies in a lot of industries, it's more of, it's a holistic thing where work is really about who I am. You know, mm-hmm. you know a lot of pride and, and passion into the work that I do. And it's actually, it's actually a big part of who I am. So for those companies where that's really important in, you know, kind of how we do it and in the way that we do it, again, it doesn't really have to be that hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be fancy and elaborate. So there are some things that you can just do periodically on a monthly basis or even, you know, weekly basis that that make it easy. So now Back to your question about the people that are apprehensive to team building. Mm-hmm. I'm apprehensive to team building. Like I said, <laughs> I some of the stuff in the team building world. And, you know, I worked for a couple other companies before, you know, I got my feet under me and was doing it the way that I thought it should be done. There's some stuff out there that's just not fun. Yeah. That you're in an awkward situation and, you know, you just don't like it. At any particular event, and my events are included, you're going to have a small portion, a small percentage of the group that just love team building. They love to get out there. They just can't wait to do team building or whatever activity it is, right? Then there's probably an equal small percentage of people that are, this is the worst thing that you could possibly make me do. I don't ever want to have to do this. I'm going to be grumpy in the back of the room with my arms folded because there's no way this is going to be fun. It doesn't matter what you do. I hate it. The only reason I'm here is because my boss told me I have to come and I couldn't call and sit, right? And then there's going to be the middle of the group that's like, okay, here we go. Another team building activity. Sometimes these are good. Sometimes they aren't. So to answer your question of how do we fix that? I don't think we actually fix it. That's always going to be the case. There's always going to be people that love it. There's always going to be people that hate it. And then there's going to be a portion in the middle that could take it or leave it. So now the question is, what activities are more likely to get your group to Mm -hmm. enjoy the overall experience as a group? There are some things, and this is, you know, my bias. Obviously, I think everything that we do is that event. I think the game show is hilarious and our leisure games is amazing and all the other things that we do, I think is fantastic. But that's my bias. So there's a ton of things out there that people love. There are cooking classes that I've seen, you know, a lot of companies do that are are really tremendous and people love it. You know, in our society, you know, you throw a little bit of cocktails into an event and a happy hour, you know, that tends to loosen the group up and people <laughs> enjoy that. You know, traveling to destinations, some people really like that. There's obviously, you know, costs involved in, in those things and going out. But there's so many activities that you can do as a group, a small group of 10 or 15 people or a larger group of, you know, hundreds of people that you can do 
And you just got to go out and try some. Some of them are going to be super successful and even the grump is going to enjoy it. And other things aren't going to be as successful. And, oh, well, we gave it a shot. And, mm. hey, you know, we still get to tell a story about, oh, geez, remember how uh, terrible that, that event was? <laughs> so, I mean, part, part of what we're doing in the culture is that you're sharing an experience. You know, I'm hoping for our events that it's a very positive, fun experience that everybody gets to share. And you get to tell the great stories about, remember when the CEO was up at the front of the room and he did karaoke and how hilarious that was. So it's that experience, that group experience, the shared group experience that I think is really meaningful and powerful. And maybe mm. that's an answer to your question or at least a partial answer to your question. So if I was going to simplify it, to simplify it would be just do something. Yeah. Just schedule it, put it on your calendar, make it happen, do it every quarter or yearly or however, you know, whatever you think applies to your company. Just do something. I suppose it's it's just human nature that there's always gonna be some grumpy individual that doesn't want to do these kind of activities. And you when you were talking, it reminded me of this um YouTube video I saw ages ago. You might have seen it yourself. It's like a video of like Walmart or somewhere like that in America. And it's like an early morning team building thing that they're doing. And they're making all these employees do these star jumps and sing, you know, little chants about how much they love Walmart and how, how great value it is and all this kind of stuff. And it's a proper cringe fest. Like when I yeah. watch it, I just think, oh my God, if I, if I was in that situation and I had to do that every morning, I'd, I'd probably, you know, climb on the roof and jump off of it or something like that. <laughs> so I think part of what you're saying is it has to be voluntary. Like people have to be ready to do this of their own accord. With these grumpy individuals that are holding back in, in these, you know, things in the events that most people would find to be fun, like the game show and stuff like that. Do you feel like most of them, the grumpy ones, most of them warm up eventually do most people come out of their shop when they see other people kind of having these shared experiences i was just gonna say the grumpy person is my favorite because it's a challenge right <laughs> like my goal is to get that grumpy person to smile and turn around and and jump in and enjoy the fun you know and part of what i do at the very beginning nobody knows what's about to happen they don't know me they don't know my staff they don't know what the event is going to be and I'm up there and super energetic and, you know, I'm pulling them along saying, hey, guess what? An hour and a half from now, you're going to be glad that you just went through <laughs> this. So I will share one thing that is really powerful for me and kind of makes me come back over and over and over again. In fact, I had a gentleman uh, just this last, you know, this week, earlier this week that that said this. He came up to me after the event and he said, that was a lot of fun. I did, I've done a lot of different team building events with different companies. And he had this face of like, you know, team cringe worthy team building events. Mm -hmm. And he said, that was just a lot of fun. So, so that kind of thing, you know, is, you know, if there is somebody that has um, a perception of what the event is going to be, and yeah. hopefully we exceed that and, you know, potentially we greatly exceed that and they actually have a legitimately genuinely good time. Holy cow. I mean, that's, that is so amazing for me, right? It gives me goof, goosebumps to think yeah. that even, you know, even it's, you know, it's an hour and a half, but for that hour and a half, I was able to get somebody to, you know, not be grumpy, yeah. to turn it from, from a grumpy dwarf to happy dwarf. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's it. So you, it's amazing because you're actually offering transformational value which is basically the highest kind of value you can offer, I think. You're taking people from one set of assumptions about what's going to happen and about who they are within that situation, and you kind of um, going against that and allowing something totally new to emerge in their experience. When you were sharing that, I was thinking that the reason that a lot of people have so much resistance, potentially, to these kind of activities is because of their perception based on the kind of thing that they've been through before, like you just said. So what do you think is the main difference between these kind of forced uh, uh, company culture days where everything's just kind of fake versus this kind of real thing that you're doing, which is actually helping the grumpy people to kind of um, 
come out of their true selves again. In relation to what we were saying earlier, I suppose the reason they're grumpy is because they haven't had the opportunity to get away from all those distractions and probably previous company culture days and things like that have just added extra layers of bullshit and confusion yep. and you're, you're taking it away from them. Something, something like that. Okay, so you, you brought up perception. So I can kind of focus on that. And, you know, I mentioned this at the very beginning that team building has a perception and it's semantics, but we've changed it to team connecting. It's got a yeah. little bit different feel to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're a company or maybe you're the person that's in charge of, you know, planning your culture days, if there is a perception with some people, change the name. Maybe it's mm-hmm. not a company culture day. It's not a team building day. It's a, hey, it's, just, I don't know, I don't know what term to use, but we're going to go out and we're going to have fun. This is it's game you know, show day. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I tell people, don't call this team building. You know, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not what it is. Well, what should we call it? Well, say what it is. They're going to have a game show. Oh, okay. Well, we'll do that. Or, you know, a fun activity if people want to, you know, surprise their, their people. It, so you also brought up one thing about, you know, voluntary activities. Mm-hmm. So these aren't actually voluntary activities, right? Yeah. When your company is having an event, you are expected to be there. Yeah. So just by the fact that you're expected to be there, it's it's not voluntary. Mm-hmm. And even though it's fun, there's money associated with it. I mean, the, the company is spending money for the activity, but they're also spending money because you're not doing your, you know, your your job for that, you know, few hours or however long it's it's going. So there there it's important for companies yeah. to have yeah. their staff be on there. So it's not actually a voluntary activity. In fact, the activities that truly are voluntary, we always have very low attendance rates, right? If we expect 100 people to be at a voluntary activity, it'll be 50 people or 40 people just because, and you brought it up, the time. Is it really worth my time, even though it's going to be a fun activity, I'm going to have a great time. Is it going to be worth my time to spend two hours with my work Mm. uh, colleagues and friends or would I rather spend that two hours, uh, you know, with my family at home doing whatever it is that you're going to be doing? So yeah. I'm beating around the bush a little bit about that. But I think going back to the transformational, and I'd love to talk about this again, because I know you and I, uh, in a previous chat, talked through it a little bit more. And um, the, the ability to transform the person that has the perception of this not being fun into, mm-hmm. oh, wow. This was actually a lot more fun. I actually like that. It's kind of when you go into a movie, if you have, you know, if you go to a movie and you set super low expectations, oh, this is, I mean, this is not going to be a good movie, but I'm going to go anyways. It tends to be a good movie just because you had your expectations low, where if you do the opposite and your expectations are really high about a movie and it doesn't meet these, you know, maybe lofty or unattainable expectations, then you tend to think, well, that wasn't so good. So mm-hmm. I think it's okay, especially in my industry. I think the bar is actually set pretty low. If your expectations are low, I think that's okay. Yeah. Now it's incumbent upon the the company that's putting on that event, or you know, if you're in charge of putting on your corporate, you know, picnic or culture day, as 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 you described it. You know, it's incumbent upon you to deliver and exceed those ex- expectations. Easier yeah. said than sometimes, but also it doesn't have to be that hard. I mean, just do it again. Yeah. I think what you said is really interesting because actually because of these perceptions people have about team building and so on and so forth, it's quite easy for you to kind of under-promise and over-deliver, that kind of thing. Because they're, they're expecting it to be a certain way and you're going against the grain of those expectations and giving them way more than they probably expect, which because because it's not voluntary, like you said, and they've actually been forced to get out of their comfort zones, it's actually quite beneficial for them in the long run because it's helping them to kind of grow. Um, do you think with a lot of the things you're doing, it's about groups? Is there something there about people obviously growing and removing their masks and all this kind of stuff that we've talked about, but there's an extra higher level of creativity where it's not just the creativity of individuals is like collective creative intelligence or something like that that's helping people to grow together i love this question and it actually i saw an example of it this week at again we'd had a game show for it was about 35 people 
So I think the group uh, mentality and the group dynamics is so fascinating for a couple reasons. Number one, it's very easy for the energy level to spiral in a positive direction mm. or in a negative direction. And you could, you could even make the analogy at work in the work environment. This is true. But what I'm saying is, you know, part of my job, part of our job as a company is to bring in a level of energy in a fun activity and then hope, and it almost always happens, and hope that that energy level is reciprocated to us. And then we build on that energy level and push it back again until, you know, it keeps going and it spirals up in a positive manner and the whole group gets pulled along. You know, the, the, the people that love doing this thing are super energetic and outgoing. They're kind of leading the charge and we're spiraling up. And then Mr. Grumpy guy in the back of the corner, he's like, okay, well, people are pulling me up. I guess I can't. I can't be grumpy as much as I want to be in the corner, right? So we're pulling that person up to to that level. And I think we have the ability to do this. So a quick example, just from our last show. And I think it's so, I'm I'm smiling right now to myself just thinking about it. Um, But it is amazing to me. We do these shows all the time. And, you know, it's a general format, you know, that, hey, we do this and then this and then here's the end. We had an event. Uh, just this week and we're getting to the end and it's a it's a Jeopardy style question at the end usually hey we're going to ask you a question and then you'll give an answer and you know whether you get it right or wrong you get money or whatever it is or we can do it the fun way right and the and the group's like oh yeah let's do it the fun way they were they were they were doing well they had a few cocktails in them yeah let's do it the fun way all right cool does anybody know the fun way and this guy in the middle of the room and this is a bunch of software engineers uh, wow. to give you an idea of that. This guy in the middle of the room is like, it's a dance off. <laughs> and, I, and I just stopped, right? I'm, I'm on the mic and I'm thinking to myself, okay, first off, that's amazing. And second <laughs> off, well, we've never done that before. I don't even know how to do that. And then I said, it came out. That's exactly right. It's a dance off. Come on, you know, bring, come on up here to the front of the stage. We're going to do a dance off. You can choose anybody in the audience. And somebody else came up and they did a dance off. Like I had to fiddle with everything. I had to get music ready. I didn't know what I was doing, but just the fact that we as a group had gotten to a place where we wow. were we were comfortable enough to have a dance off in front of all of these people, right? Yeah. And he was a terrible dancer, like just terrible. <laughs> it was he was doing the shopping cart and you know all of those I don't even know what they're called. And then the woman that comes up is doing the lasso thing where she lassos him and like pulling him, you know what I'm talking about? Pulling yeah. him. Right? And and so I don't even I don't even know if that answer. I got on a roll there, but the thing that was so beautiful and it wow. was a surprise, right? Like I wasn't expecting that. That wasn't something that I was ready for. I mean, I had what the version of what my version of fun was going to be, and he totally took it to a different level. Yeah, it awesome. is amazing to me how great a group can be to get to that level. Yeah. Now, and I don't want to end on a downer but just to throw it out there it is equally easy to spiral in the wrong direction yeah so now you have this big what you know question of well how do we make sure our company is spiraling up and not spiraling down Mm. and and that is something that i can't necessarily answer you know quickly there's so many amazing things that you just said you know what's really interesting to me is you've you've mentioned this idea of kind of the positive spiral and so by following the energy of the group by bringing in this kind of spontaneity and the fun in the games that you're talking about you've allowed it to spiral to this point where it's taking you in a new direction and if you were if you didn't have this kind of creative attitude that i think people need to be able to make the most of like their relationship with the present moment you might have closed that down and you might have said no no we can't have a dance off for whatever reason you would have missed out on all these incredibly sexy dance moves and everything and because of <laughs> because of that it just it spiraled and spiraled and spiraled through the choices that you made and you created this amazing kind of infectious energy 
And actually, this group dynamic that you're talking about is ultimately about that, is how I'm thinking of it now, at least. It's about managing the energy between people so that they create an open system instead of a closed system. And if you create an open system between people, i.e. allowing them to connect to each other because they're not distracting themselves with all that stuff we talked about earlier, then you can create these amazing opportunities for the, the upward spiral that you're talking about. And the energy is so infectious that even now when you're talking about it, that energy still kind of comes out. It's really uh, kind of interesting to observe. Probably what you just said about corporate culture in general, it can either spiral up or it can spiral down. It's just about making choices on the regular, like ongoing choices for either the real version of people, which is about results and relationships in a business context, or only choosing this kind of fake, distracted version of, of human beings where they're just, you know, holding themselves back behind concepts, basically, ideas about themselves, the roles that they think that sh they should be playing, all this kind of mental, you know, detritus or whatever that holds them back from kind of being an open system, ultimately. I don't know if that's too kind of pretentious and theoretical, but that's what I was thinking about as you told told that story, and it's kind of amazing. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And see, I didn't even think about it as being open to a, you know a possibility. I get I guess you know since we're talking about creativity and, and that's you know a primary focus of what you do. I'm not particularly creative, you know, artistically or or music or any of those things. But I think I am pretty cr creative in the fact that I can do things on the fly yeah. pretty well, right? Yeah. And I'm I'm really good at making rules and I'm even better at breaking those rules, right? Wow. So I had a plan of attack going into that. And, you know, this gentleman threw a curveball at me and it was the most amazing curveball. And, you know, yeah. we reacted to it. So if you're going to now, let's see, see if we can do that you know, as you said on, you know, every day, is it as simple as, you know, our management team, our leaders, and leaders don't necessarily have to be in positions of management, but our, our leaders having the ability to be open to something that is not the norm. Mm. And you, you can make that, you know, mm. you could apply that to all situations. You know, if the norm is mm. your Monday morning Walmart meeting where you're doing, you know, whatever the jumping jacks are to get everybody, you know, enthusiastic and it's just flat out not working, but mm -hmm. somebody else had a better idea of, you know, whatever it might be. And you as a manager or one of the leaders in the group was open to that. Maybe that starts a, an upward cycle and it can be just a really small thing that leads to something big. And I think, you mm -hmm. know, a really small thing that's mm -hmm. going the other direction can start to lead to things that are big in the wrong direction. Yeah. So your concept of being open, like I had never thought that's, I wouldn't have thought about it that way at all, but hearing you say it kind of actually makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, personally, I, I think what you're talking about and the way that you're operating in these you know, situations you're creating, it's very creative. For me, creativity isn't just about, you know, painting pretty pictures and taking a photograph and things like that. Sometimes those things can actually be uncreative if you're not actually pushing yourself and you're not learning or it's just too conceptual or, you know, it's, it's a product of what you already think you know. But creativity in the way that you're expressing it is just about having a deeper relationship with the real stuff and so actually by you getting involved in this open spiral, um, as we've called it, and not shutting down that opportunity for the dance-off, that allowed that group as a whole, because of the energy that you followed, to move more closely to each other in terms of connection. And again, it's, it's a bit theoretical maybe, but for me, reality versus unreality is just about the difference between either wholeness or fragmentation wholeness ultimately is, is, is just the connection stuff that you're talking about and you can go deeper into connection with yourself the world and reality itself that's the little thing i always throw out there but anyway in that situation because of your creative attitude you actually allowed that group to be guided into a more 
deeper sense of connection, which, you know, it manifests. One other thing, one other thing to add on to that, the concept of if we are remove the distraction, remove the fragmentation and we get in touch with the whole person. Mm. Now that person, and this is going to be a little bit theoretical to go along with your thoughts. That person is now open to show their creativity, whatever that might be. Yes. So to go back to the, to the dance off thing, you know, the small example, but that gentleman, he was himself. Like he just <laughs> yeah, he yeah, was yeah. A completely open. He probably had a few cocktails, but that's okay. He was completely open and he, his creativity shouted out a dance off, right? Yeah, like that yeah. was his, his creativity coming to, to the front. So maybe if we're able again, mm -hmm. to be a little bit theoretical, to get to the whole self, to break all that stuff down. Now everybody is sharing their creativity and that creates a pretty amazing spiral up where now everybody is contributing and we're getting a lot of good ideas. And then you can go back to a happy team is more creative. A more creative team is more productive. A more productive team leads to, you know, the bottom line in a results-based business and boom, we've just created the perfect formula. And now every company that's doing this is going to make a billion dollars. One bam, thank you, ma'am. So there you go. We've just figured out every organizational issue on the planet. That's fantastic. Um, that was easy. It only took like was, an hour. There we What's go. so hard? <laughs> I, I don't know what everyone's <laughs> complaining about. Um, so I feel like I could, I could keep uh, grilling you, but we have reached about an hour and, um, Maybe the best thing to do is to wrap it up and then I'll get you on again one day and continue this conversation, if that's cool with you. Sounds great. Um, one little thing that may open a can of worms is if you think about it, what you're doing actually is helping people to communicate with themselves better. So when that guy, the dance-off guy, you know, decided that the dance-off was, was the way forward, ultimately something in what you've been doing with the game show had triggered um a re his relationship with himself to kind of open up to that idea for whatever reason that was important to him these creative things that people do like you've said that you know one version's one person's version of creativity might be different to somebody else's but you can only figure out what that is if you learn to communicate with yourself so probably we could have gone down that rabbit hole as well um i'm rambling have you got any kind of final words or anything that you want to kind of say to sum up what we've learned here in this conversation today and also if you want to share you know your details of where people can find you online and all that kind of thing uh, that would be amazing so people can follow you and stuff yeah that's great so to sum it up if you start with something simple like playing games and having fun that can lead to something really big and powerful like a company culture that, you know, enjoys being with each other and is working together to achieve pretty amazing things. So I guess what I would say is don't trivialize the small things, especially in, in my world, the fun and games. So mm -hmm. I think that's, that's why I do what I do um, and I'm passionate about it. And so as far as getting a hold of me, so the company is called Grin Events. And our website is just grin.events, G-R-I-N dot E-V-E-N-T-S. And my phone number and email is on there. And if you call that phone number, you will actually probably talk to me. So I'd love to hear from everybody. And we're, we're based in San Diego, California. So we primarily focus on events in the Southern California area. But we also do a ton of virtual events the virtual game show during the pandemic we was kind of forced to do that and it really took off and we've been having a ton of fun with our virtual events so that is truly global we can do it anywhere in the world uh basically english speaking anywhere in the world and we'd love to do that so for all of your listeners out there that want to have a little bit of fun with their uh co-workers we'd love to be able to help out john that was amazing um I just want to say thank you for coming on here and, you know, sharing these rambles with me. I think we got some new insight from this conversation. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, I really, I, I had fun. I suppose that's what I, I should be saying to wrap this up. It was a lot of fun. So thank you so much. And I, you know, look forward to getting you on here again sometime and having another chat. 
I'd love to do that, Ollie. I also had fun. Uh, I have a smile on my face, so that's always a good, a good thing. John, thank you so much.